and that there's a tension or a nervousness that's created when you resist what's going on right now, right? When there's a big, big change. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Systema, and this is Systema for Life. Howie, how goes it? Very good, Glenn. Yeah, doing all right. Everything yeah. uh, going not so bad. We've had a lot of ice and snow and craziness in North Carolina the last uh, last week. Has it been messing with your routines much? Don't get not out running or stuff. It really has. Like yeah. I, had, I had to force myself to do a, a six mile whatever. It wasn't really a run or a jog. Mm. But it was it was in the late afternoon because I didn't feel like falling because mm. um, you know the the ice melt the the snow melt turns to ice in the early morning yeah so it really like I canceled my afternoon it's like I have to go and do this thing now do, do you find it has like a knock on effect when you change one thing in your in your kind of routine and then it means that you don't quite get around to other things that you usually do I, I remember in a previous conversation you were talking about how you. Uh, you forgot to brush your teeth yeah. because it was connected to like another routine that came right before it, right? You started dousing and then you forgot to brush your teeth. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's a trade-off I'm not sure that Mia would appreciate, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you find that happened again with this one? Because you didn't go for your run or you had to schedule your run at a different time in the day that it messed with all your other little things yeah. that you off that? Well, because this was such an obvious mess up, I was, I took steps. Mm. I said, okay, so this, so the douse, the run, come back from run, do the meditation, do the Wim Hof breathing. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, I have to fit this in okay. earlier. Right. Um, the other, you know, the other thing I'm noticing is that like the douse, I'm really surprised at how easy it is mm. once I'm standing there with the bucket. Like it, it's, it's not horrible. Mm. Okay. In what, the cold weather? You're in about? the cold weather. What yeah. is horrible is getting out of bed. Right. Like I okay. find getting out of, like, it's easier for me to walk out the door and pour yeah. the ice bucket than it is for me to get out of bed Yeah. when, okay. when I say I'm going to. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and that's because, like, I know the first, I've committed, the first thing I'm going to do when I get out of bed is douse. Yeah. So I'm comparing me in a nice warm bed to yeah. an ice bucket. I'm not, I'm not comparing me in a nice warm bed yeah. to me standing next to a nice warm bed, which is not so terrible. Did you use it before the dousing? Did you use to get out of bed fairly easily? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. So yeah. you basically just shifted that moment of hesitation backwards in the day from standing in front of the bucket or thinking about going out the door to the very first thing that you do when you wake up. That's right. when you hesitate. But once you hit the ground running, you're okay. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, was, I mean, we've had a lot of turmoil lately. We've moved houses, you know, so we've... Um, sold up our house that we had in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and moved to closer to where the studio is in Hillsborough. And, um, and we had to downsize, throw a bunch of things, like donate a bunch of things and move them away. Um, and then we chose the worst possible weekend to move. Like, thankfully, a lot of help from the Systema crew, the guys, and some muscle power going up and downstairs and things. But it was just ice everywhere, snow everywhere. There's big 26-foot trucks fishtailing around in the snow. And we got it dug in at one point, and me and Jeff Sodom and the other instructor had to like use military tactics to throw gravel under the wheels and put sticks under them and stuff to dig ourselves out of this horrible hole. So it's just been um, pandemonium to the point where it's been hard even to fit in half of the things that I normally put into my comfortable daily routine, right? Being self-employed and being able to make your own schedule. Yeah, I've got, I've got kids and we, there's demands around that. There's set points in the day where I have to pick up one of the kids or come back or dinner and things like that as well. Um, but I can pretty much shuffle other things around a lot of the time. And if something throws a cat among the pigeons and uh, I'm, I'm kind of uh, trying to 
shuffle my normal routine with new things. Usually I can shift it because not everything's gone crazy. But I found over the past week that everything's been so crazy that I found myself doing breath work at like 11.30 at night and, mm. you know, like trying to get in that last bit of kind of meditation or last bit of movement or something just to try and cram it somewhere into that 24-hour period. And it's really, I've, I've really seen how, um, how difficult it is to hang on to routines. And I think I tried to do that for like a day or two. And then I resigned myself to the fact that um, some things in your routines just have to drop um, and that there's a tension or a nervousness that's created when you resist what's going on right now, right? Mm-hmm. When there's a big, big change, right? Yeah. If you're um, if you're like, all right, I'm going to, everything's changing. I'm going to try and like enforce my my framework, my, my mindset, the thing that I was carrying around with me yesterday onto today. And I'm just going to adjust it a little bit to cope with the environment and what's going on now, right? And doing that creates its own kind of, dissonance and it creates its own kind of problems and that's kind of what i wanted to talk a little bit about today it was cool with you to just talk about change um and how systema helps us in kind of three aspects um it occurred to me one is kind of before changes happen uh, systema helps us to expect or anticipate change in a sense right not specific changes in what they might be because everything's chaotic both in combat and in everyday life and in relationships right you just don't know when somebody's going to blow up or have a go at you or something's going to happen with your work um but just the idea that everything is always changing and and that you can expect that the only norm is change right that kind of idea the second thing is like dealing uh, kind of dealing with change after it's happened to you right you're behind the curve a bunch of stuff has happened and you're like, I don't like what has happened here, right? Um, but dealing with the aftermath of that and keeping yourself calm in the midst of the big change that's happening to you. Um, and then the third thing, if we can get time to talk about it as well, is kind of in facilitating change. So if you're actively trying to change something, mm. um, like how Systema can help you hold yourself to those, help hold yourself accountable and make you more comfortable in the, in the present of change, right? So a little bit about before change, during change, and after change, how it can help us in all three kind of temporal states. That kind of let's, let's do it. Cool. Okay. So, so the before. Um, <laughs> One day yeah. you're going to ask me, and I'm going to go like, "No, that's not okay." Yeah, like, wow, it's going to be a short. Podcast. All right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I guess this one was ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, um, so yeah. So the before. So. I think it's often sort of said that there are um, a couple of types of people in the world, right? That there are people who are very uh, analytical and routine driven. And this is kind of a stereotype, right? As if people don't exist on a spectrum, but there's just a couple of boxes worth of people. Um, and that some people just like routines. They're typically kind of what you'd think of as like engineering types, right? Or mm-hmm. or if it's like a stay-at-home mum, maybe she's like everything's in its proper place. Like the kind of whole efficiency and everything kind of um, has to be just so, right? In order for that person to be comfortable. Um, and then you've got kind of a, a second stereotype of somebody who's just kind of fancy free, who just kind of surfs the winds of fortune as they go around and they don't really care too much. They may be a bit scatterbrained. They're kind of like the absent-minded professor or something, right? But they don't really mind when things are changing all the time. And the, the stereotype would be like an, like an actor or a creative type or something like that, right? Um, and then maybe the rest of us are somewhere in between, but probably the idea that there's two-ish sorts of people, people who like things to stay the same, kind of conservative in the wider philosophical sense of the word, right? Not in the political. I don't even want to touch that with the barge pole today, right? Um, Conservative. And then people who are just okay with change happening all the time, right? That kind of sense. Um, And then you would think that people who are stuck in their routines or attached to routines would be deeply, deeply uncomfortable when change happens. And then the other people, the creative types, the people who seem to seek out new experiences all the time would be 
perfectly okay with change when it happens. But that hasn't been my experience when if I've when I've seen people on both of those continuums, it seems to well, continua. I don't know. Um, it, it seems to me that sometimes the people who have structures and routines and and stick to things have a kind of structure to their minds and their bodies which helps them deal with unexpected things coming up, right? So they're, they're okay with change because they have a platform from which to work. And on the flip side, the people who are kind of airy and fancy free and claim to be okay with change um, seem to be ground shifted a little bit more mm. easily. Does that kind of make sense? So it's kind of turns the idea on its head a little bit. This is just something that I've noticed. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we're coming off of a, uh, a private session. So I just mm. like had an, ex had an experience with mm. structure and tension. Yeah, and the different, you know, and so I think to, in a to a certain degree, I think those two stereotypes, like if you look at them uh, on, on a certain continuum, it's like a false dichotomy. So yeah. we're not really talking about someone who likes routine versus someone who doesn't like routine, but it's, sure. it's someone who has an internal structure yeah. that that they move through the world with. Yeah, whether whether they're you know whether they're highly spontaneous or highly predictable. Yeah, it's sort of maybe less the point hmm. than than someone who has you know the appropriate amount of whatever the psychological analog to muscle tension is yeah right so like when you, when i was doing the up and down drill you were saying like don't be so floppy don't be like hmm. a modern dancer or a ragdoll hmm. come and then i came down more and you said well that's now you've got tension hmm. so see if you can find sort of grace hmm. like maybe that's the Mm. The key variable is mm. poise. Poise. Like, moving through the world that way. Yeah, there, there seems to be like a minimum amount of structure that you need in order to deal with some chaos, like physically in terms of movement and changes in the environment, right? Um, a good example might be walking on ice, right? So we're shuffling around right now and there's black ice all over the place and that kind of stuff, right? If you're too, you know, if you just went for a jog across the ice, you could expect to go flat on your ass in no time at all, right? Or on your face, depending on which way you went. You, you can't afford to be too flippant with the way that you place your feet and um, the precision with which you engage the ground with your feet um, yeah, even the choice of footwear and that kind of stuff right you can't just wear whatever you want and then hope you're going to get away with it so mm. when we walk on ice we, we walk completely differently right we, we walk we structure our bodies from the hips down differently we we place our feet vertically underneath our knees all the time. We put the shin down as if it's like uh, walking on stilts the whole time, right? As if at any point that could skid out from underneath you and we step down into the floor and we feel that kind of feedback like we're trying to sense the floor because we are, that's what we're doing. We're checking that the floor has integrity and it's not going to make a skid in the direction. And we walk that way even when we walk off of ice and onto like a, a flat bit that has no ice on it. And maybe you'll go four or five steps and it feels dry and there's a bit of friction. You're like, okay, I'll be fine. And then you start kind of plodding and putting your heel down first or Walking, shifting your weight kind of a little bit more fluidly and then maybe when you hit a patch of ice you'll feel a little wobble and then you'll start to again step 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 like a you know like a toddler being very very careful placing one foot in front of the other so that's an example on the physical sense of structure that you have to introduce to deal with a more variable environment right and, and I think that's maybe a good analogy for what happens in life sometimes right that if things change quickly which they always do right something just happens in the environment and it, and it shifts around and you're kind of not not for six by it a little bit um then if you have structure to fall back on if you have like a, a basic routine or something that you can do which centers you right and for people who don't do systema that might be like a, a yoga practice it might be a meditation practice um it it might be just going to the gym right or it might be um I mean, I'm not going to say things like decompression type things, like I have to watch my favorite show on TV or something like that. I don't think that's mm -hmm. the same thing. I think that's kind of like a full structure. 
that's more like escapism. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, but something which makes you feel like you're back into yourself a little bit will will give you kind of like a like a handhold mm -hmm. on on the world temporarily, so that you can kind of move from there. And if you can't find that, uh, it's very very difficult to move forward. Does that kind of make sense? Or? Yeah, because we we you know, and the people I work with, they're working yeah. really hard to build up healthy habits to replace all the unhealthy habits yeah. that they've had. And it, a lot of the time it feels like, okay, I'm doing really good. Mm. It's been three months. I'm going, and then like with the, the thing that change introduces mm. is that all of a sudden you, it's a stress test on the resilience of your habit. Sure. And if you've only been doing it for three months, I don't care how much willpower you have, how self-disciplined you are, the, you know, the ice is thinner. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. your fault. There's like there's not a, it's not a character flaw that you suddenly stepped on thin ice, mm. and so people lose their new structures. Mm. Like they will they'll they'll, they'll flip back to mm. watching their favorite show on television mm. instead of doing their yoga or their breathing or prepping food for the next day or whatever the good habit is. Yeah, and people are uh, proactively terrified of mm. change because mm. they sense. Hmm. That it's going to mess with this schedule, like, oh no, like I, I've been running for three months. I'm sort of, I feel like a runner now, hmm. but I'm terrified. Like, okay, I'm, if I miss a day, yeah, what does that mean? Right, it means I'm the kind of person who misses a day, and so I might as well miss another one or something like that. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. like this. This was all an illusion. Yeah. Okay. And I think the uh, yeah, I was, I was admiring your bookshelf earlier, and one of the books there is Anti Fragile. Sure. Which yeah. To me, is like the hmm. the whole point is that. Um, we can skate through change hmm. and it can be disorienting and we could lose all of our structures. But the yeah. question is, can we, can we choose to put them back? Because hmm. there's like, there's a narrative like, oh, well, it's been a week. I haven't done, I didn't go running for four days last week, which is yeah. highly, okay, well, what does that mean? I guess it means I'm not a runner anymore. Mm. And, and and I've had so many times in the past where I was gung ho about something and then mm. oh well yeah I don't do that don't, when sure. did I stop meditating when did I stop journaling every morning I don't sure. even remember right yeah but to be able to say like this like it's it's not a sentence it's simply an, an opportunity to make the choice again yeah and, and that's what it really comes down to is that realization I think that every single day is just a series of choices and there really isn't any consistency of self from one day to the next right there's not like i'm a runner and now i'm not a runner anymore it's just like well you're not a runner anymore every morning right every morning you wake up you're not a runner anymore until you go running right yeah. and now i'm a runner right or conversely you could say i'm a runner whether i go running or not right because i've done it in the past i have some skill and it's there or i just choose not to use it and i mean where's where's the cutoff point there it's like is a runner somebody who runs once a month once a week every day like when do you get to call yourself a runner and as a martial artist the same thing if you're training once a week are you a martial artist if you're, or are you a hobbyist? Do you know what I mean? Like, clearly, if you're doing it every day or if you're teaching it, you can say, I'm definitely a martial artist, right? But there's, there's no real set cutoff point. And the reason is, is because it's kind of an arbitrary label that we put on ourselves after we've done what we think is a, a good amount of it. Or people can say, I used to be a swimmer. Or yeah. like, I used to be like a gymnast. It's just like, well, you, you could be again today. You could be a shitty gymnast, <laughs> but you could be a gymnast again, right? You know, it wouldn't be that hard. You just have to try and do a handstand, right? And maybe from an external perspective, from an objective reality, other people looking at you, they'd be like, yeah, you're not a gymnast. You're a, you know, a middle-aged guy trying to do a handstand. But with a little bit of practice and a little bit more of a solid handstand, 
you'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm an amateur gymnast, right? And then if you suddenly did a competition and you were with people, even if you didn't win, they'd be like, yeah, he's a gymnast. That's what he does, right? And that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just a question of you either hang on to the idea of a fixed self, right? That unchanging mindset in the Carol yeah. Dweck type way and that kind of stuff, right? And the, the fixed mindset of like, I'm this sort of person. Or you accept that you're always growing. Like every single day you're growing and that, that requires daily change, right? The daily change is you get up and you change yourself by doing something. Even if it's the same thing every day, you've changed your physical state and you've changed your psychological state by doing that thing, right? Making that choice. And you can argue where that choice comes from and free will and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but fundamentally, every single day is changed because every single day is choices, right? And I, and I think one of the things that Systema helps us to do quite rudely sometimes, like right in your face, whether you want to understand it or not, is to show you the, that that's the consistency of the world, is that it's constantly changing. You can, you can fall in love with your own little type of movement. You could be, I'm really good at this type of drill. And then you can work with somebody of a certain body type or a certain skill or a certain background. And, and your thing that you think you're good at or that you can do just doesn't seem to quite come off. Um, and if you press the idea that you can make it work because you're good at doing takedowns or you're good at groundwork or you're good at striking or something, and you try and press through with that and make your stuff work, it gets worse and worse and worse. And I think a, a, a big, um, a solid part of what explains that phenomenon is that you're not acknowledging that the situation has changed. It's not you performing your thing in a, in a vacuum, right? You, the, this whole situation has changed when you have a different person and you're not adjusting to the change of that the guy is 300 pounds instead of 180 or that the guy has wrestling skill instead of no wrestling skill, right? Or whatever it's gonna be, or the guy can take strikes because he was a boxer um, and he's not as worried about getting hit as, as most people or something like that. They don't react the same way. And if you don't allow yourself to see that change and you don't anticipate and expect that every new partner that you train with and every new training session is going to be a series of new experiences, always new experiences, right? Um, even the same, even doing push-ups is going to be different every single time, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're setting yourself up for kind of a, a false reality. You know what I mean? You're trying to kind of put a framework on the world that's not quite there, you know? Yeah, and I think uh, you know, the, the the central thing that I heard there is that you're different all the time. Yeah, there's no that the, the idea of a fixed self. Yeah, is a, is a story. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like you know, physically, our bodies are changing all the time. I think what is the, like every seven years we recycle all our cells or. Oh, it's, yeah, more than that. So it depends on the, it's differential throughout the body. I think every seven years you have a new skeleton, I think. That, and the skeleton is one of the last things to recycle. Mm -hmm. So your entire skeleton regrows itself every seven years. But other things like skin cells, I mean, it's every, I don't know, I think it's every hour and a half you have new skin or something like that. It's uh -huh. just falling off all day. Like that guy from Peanuts, what's his name? The guy who walks around in a cloud of his own dust and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, a pig pen or something? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're all like that. We just, if you could see it on the scale, we're just like shedding stuff everywhere we go, right? So, but so, so in that way, like if, if you, if you looked at us not as, as photographs but as, mm. as, uh, as time-lapse videos mm. we're, we're very fluid with our environment like there's mm. no there's no like here's Glenn or there's a little bit of Glenn like there's there's mm. the water that's going to become Glenn yeah yeah like so, we're you know to, to embrace that like what's the, the the story like this is my grandfather's hammer right my my father replaced the 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 uh, head and, I, and uh, I replaced the handle sure right it's like what's left of it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah. so that that comfort with fluidity and that comfort with the constant moving river of time and change and all that kind of stuff. I, I think that's one thing that Systema can help us help us realize. And it, it's, it's like you say with, um, maybe with your clients, with your change clients as well, it, it's not like you realize that once 
and then you're good, right? Um, so you can start training Sistema and have very low expectations of yourself. You can be, you can say like, well, I'm not really a martial artist, or maybe I did another martial art and I haven't done this. So I expect that this is going to be new, this is going to be difficult, and there's going to be things I don't understand. And then maybe a few months in, three months or six months in, you're training very, very hard and you start to get some feeling of competence with certain drills and certain movements and ground engagement or whatever it's going to be. And then you start to expect to be competent. Yeah. Right? And then again, you're not the same. So you can just have an off day where you come in and psychologically you feel a bit rough and you, and you seem to take strikes harder than you did or you just seem a bit less coordinated than you did the day before. I think a really good example is um, like breath holds, right? Um, I think it was might have been Vladimir, it might have been Valentin Talanov, I can't remember, like some years ago I did a seminar. And, um, and I was asking the question, we were doing inhale, exhale, and then walk as many footsteps as you can before you have to breathe, and then recover, and then repeat, right? Um, and we started out on doing like, I don't know, 30 footsteps, and you can add 10 every time. And, and I used to find 40 footsteps at the beginning just terrible, like really, really difficult. And I got up to a point of practicing over like a year and a half, something like that, where I could easily do not easily, but you know, with effort, psychological effort, I could do 120, 140 footsteps and then breathe and be like, wow, this is a world apart from where I started, right? Mm -hmm. But then there'd be some days when it would be colder or where I'd just, I'd be more tense psychologically, right? Um, and I would start to do breath holds and I couldn't even do 40. And I'm like, I've regressed by a year here. I'm, I'm having difficulty doing 40 yeah. when I can do 140. This is ridiculous, right? And I would annoy myself and I would try and push myself to do more. And then the more I try to push myself, maybe I'd make it to 50 or something like that, but it just didn't seem to come. Um, and I think it's from that expectation. And of course, there's um, environmental factors on that. If it's colder, then you're more bronchoconstricted, right? You can't get as much air into your lungs. Like physically, you can't mm -hmm. because your lungs are just kind of closed off a little bit. And that will change. And Vlad and Valentina pointed out, they're like, you know, it's, it's an interaction between you and your environment and your internal state, which means you're never quite the same. So you shouldn't, the point that they made is that you shouldn't try and set records with breath holds every time because you're not the same person every time. Different things yeah. have happened to you, so you shouldn't expect to have the same performance. What you should do is just see where you're at. Use that exercise to kind of gauge yourself and empty yourself of all the excess stuff that you can feel as a result of not being able to do that and then try and fill yourself up a little bit more see if yeah. you can push yourself a bit further how much you push yourself is not important it's it's just that you go a bit further than you thought you could today just today not not as yeah. an all-time great or reps or something like that yeah. so, well yeah. see when i hear that i think the, the 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 carapace that keeps us from changing is ego mm. right like so if i'm t if i'm telling myself this story this, this story of competence Mm. And now I want to maintain it. Mm. I have to, like, you know, because I had this this ego story that is very dear to me. Yeah. Then going from 140 to 40 mm. is painful, mm. right? Whereas, as opposed to, you know, here, let's see what's here in this moment. Yeah. And and how I can meet it the the best I can. Mm. You know, however however you define best. It's a brand new year at NC Sistema. All our classes are being held at our regular venue at 4815B Hillsborough Road in Durham, North Carolina. We're in the building behind the Triangle Music School on the junction of Hillsborough Road and Benrose Circle. In addition to our many martial arts classes, we've also added breathwork and strength and conditioning classes to the schedule this year. Visit ncsystema.com and view the new class schedule. Remember, there's a free trial class available for all new students. Book yours today.
I think that figures heavily probably into this well-noted phenomenon by other instructors that have pointed out Igor Ponozov and um, Vladimir as well and a couple of others that pointed off of uh, like instructor plateaus you know and people who become systemic instructors and then they they seem to stop learning or they get worse right sometimes mm. and that's because becoming an instructor comes with that trap of ego right uh, that like, oh I've, I'm competent now I must be because somebody else gave me a certificate right and mm. um, so now I I should be able to perform to this level I should be better at this right that attitude can get you stuck and stop you from growing, right? You have to hold yourself accountable, of course, and you have to kind of make sure that you're, you know, living Sistema, if you're hoping to transmit it to somebody else, you have a responsibility to, to pass through to the best of your ability and knowledge. And that means you have to maintain your body and your psyche and other things as you go along. Um, but you shouldn't expect that you're going to be instructor level like every five minutes or when you go to a seminar with other instructors and you're just not doing so great, you should be like, well, I'm growing here the same as everybody else, right? Yeah. And, it's, and it's also, that growth mindset thing is so key. I think also it's, it's like I can feel in myself hmm. that now, you know, I'm a, um, a paragon of health for other people. Right. Mm. Which, of course, is not true. Sure. Like I'm as yeah. messed up as anyone, but for, you know, yeah. I have a public image. Yeah. And sometimes I will like go running and I'll realize what I'm doing is checking a box. Mm. Right. So yeah. that I can show people my report card. Sure. Like I can, yeah. you know, and, and there's a big difference between going running to check a box or, you know, making my morning green smoothie to check a box versus living it. Yeah. And I think you only get to live it when you're in sort of dynamic tension with it, when you can feel like, oh, I don't really feel like doing this today. Mm. Or uh, like the workout you took me through this morning was a, yeah. was a lot harder than what I do at home. Okay, yeah. And it, it feels really good yeah. to be afterwards. Right. <laughs> yeah. During, not, we'll get onto that. Yeah. 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 So um, to be able to see like, okay, so as, as, as the world is changing around me, mm. uh, there's, some, there's some deeper... It's deeper than identity, mm. even mm. Um, way that I'm going to interact with it that mm. will that will allow the world to change and will allow me to change, but will maintain some constant integrity. Yeah. So maybe the word that's the word integrity somehow, like, is the foundation upon which we build our our various ephemeral identities. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a really interesting um phrase that uh, I think. Uh, Scott Sonnen, who's kind of, you know, does all those uh, Russian-derived, Sistema-derived exercise programs, right? He's, uh, he's proliferated into a hundred different uh, marketable boxes. Like, here's Sistema tech fit for firefighters, and here's for police, and here's for MMA guys and sambo wrestlers and stuff. Genius marketing, really. He's, he's parlayed a lot of kind of that skill stuff into different things. And man's got a lot of skill and a lot of um, dexterity and a lot of ability to, to put through. Um, but he talks a lot about um, the concept of tensegrity, which I think is a... Well, Buckminster Fuller, the architect, came up with that, right? And he's, he's like, it's the yeah, flexible like, joint like the nature of the whole thing that basically it's in, in diametrically opposed um, chains of tension, right? Linking one part of the structure to another. That's where its integrity lies, right? So you can deform the thing, but it keeps its shape because of this tensegrity that it has. And like the example sometimes people give is like a like a woolly jumper, or a woolly pullover, or something like that. Do you use pullover? No, I know jumper. Nobody sweater. State. Sweater. There we go. <laughs> I'm fishing for an American equivalent. Sweater. Sweater. Um, yeah. If you pull one part of it, it doesn't just stay in that shape, right? You, you pull a like at the bottom of the hem. It doesn't stay there forever unless it's frozen or something, right? It will it will return to back to its normal form, and it will do that by deforming as a whole. If you pull a corner, then the opposite shoulder will deform a little bit, and then it will kind of stretch 
to accommodate that tension and it will kind of snap back into position again and it works fine. And different materials and different structures have different amounts of tensegrity by design. Um, but in Sistema, in a lot of ways, what we're doing structurally is to build that into ourselves where we have some bits of our bodies are just very uh, incompressible, they're very, very solid. Other parts are very, very flexible. And as a whole, the structure is heavy. It's difficult to deform, but it will deform and it will snap back into place again, as opposed to being stiff and brittle mm. or so deformable that you can just make it collapse, right? And I think psychologically, that's what it does for us as well. It, it, it gives us that integrity in a psychological sense, right? It makes mm. us able to take some shots and, and snap back into where we were again or to something anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, that what, you know, what we were working on at the end was sort of, you know, the, the grab and escape drill, yeah. which is to me, like when I'm doing it well, I'm always thinking about moving to comfort. Yeah. And you're providing the stimulus mm. of discomfort yeah. that allows me then to move to comfort as opposed to pulling away or attacking. Sure. Like yeah. if the prime directive is move to where I feel comfortable, where I, where I can restore the tensegrity equilibrium. Yeah. And if we apply that to life yeah. and we say like, you know, so the world is, is here, the world is your systema instructor sure. or, your, or your systema partner. The yeah. world is pushing and pulling on you and we could, we could rail against it and we yeah. could complain and say that's not fair. Yeah. Or we can say this is a, uh, a signal yeah, I guess the battery died. So we'll okay, see, we'll see what cool. we got. Yeah, um, we can we can use it as a signal to say, okay, how do I move back into myself? Yeah, here, how do I move back into my integrity? Yeah, my tensegrity. So, so that I think brings us neatly onto facilitating change, right? Not just in anticipating it and just acknowledging that change is the norm and it's going to happen and we should probably be okay with it. But this whole idea that if you're actually trying to do something, if you're trying to get stronger, fitter, if you're trying to recover from an injury, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to change your diet, um, if you're trying to be know, a better a better husband or a better father, better parent, whatever it's going to be, um, that Systema can help us in the moment of things, I think, in, in, in that sense of um, giving and snapping back that mindset that uh, things are going to be happening to, happen, happening to me in the moment, right? If the long-term effort is lose weight, um, it's not just anticipating there are going to be challenges, but like in that moment when that challenge happens, when you're tempted by the crappy food or one of your kids says something snarky and you feel like mm. snapping back at them or something like that, or you, your spouse says something that creates a rise and you feel compelled to you know, defend yourself or whatever it's going to be, whatever that challenge is, that in the moment we can see it as an opportunity to test our structures, right? Mm. Not as like, oh, I have to defend my structure, but I can allow my structure here to be deformed a little because it's going to come back again, right? There's no, so your kids, for example, if they're you know testing you, you can let them get away with a certain amount, but you have to create like a framework and a structure that makes them feel safe as well yeah. on that. Um, and with your spouse, uh, you know you can you can be as empathic as possible, and you can try and make life as easy as possible and that kind of stuff. But you don't do them any favors if you just feel sorry for them or you pity them, right? If they're kind of in a bit of a hole and they're complaining about how life is going or something, and then you go along with that, then you just kind of enable their helplessness. Do you know what I mean? Kind yeah. of that sense. In the, and the same thing um, with food choices and fitness and all kinds of other stuff, right? You can, you can go down, you, you can either in the moment think to yourself, like, this is really, really hard and I just have to fight as hard as possible to get past this. Or you can think like, all right, I'm, I have a certain structure here. I have a certain thing that I've committed to. My long-term long goal is to get here, but I can be pliable in the moment. 
Mm-hmm. Right, and, and still come back again. I know that bumps up yeah. against sometimes that whole idea that if you're too pliable, especially with like food choices, that you can set yourself up for worse things afterwards. But I think you have to allow some flexibility, well, usually in all these choices, in order to achieve yeah. the long-term goal. Right. Well, I think there's also different levels of pliability. Mm. So if there's, you know, if you're allergic to peanuts, yeah. you don't allow yourself any pliability around peanuts. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And but, so, then, but then that's not really. You don't have to try and change on that one, right? You don't have to wean yourself off of peanuts. Typically, if you're allergic to them, you just you have one experience of anaphylactic shock and you're weaned. That's yeah. it. Right? The big changes happened for you in that one. But so I think. Yeah, well, but but if we yeah. but I'm just saying in, in terms of your ability mm. to be non-pliable. Okay. Like we can yeah. you, you can decide that mm. you, you're you, you can make yourself believe like. This particular food, like, you know, yeah, I can have a piece of cake, yeah. I can have a cookie, and I know what that's going to do to me. Sure. Like, it, it's not going to be as immediate as anaphylactic shock, but the yeah. the overall, like, if I then slip into a binge and, like, yeah. it changes my taste buds for a week, and now I'm yeah. struggling, and it's the holiday season. Sure. Like, it could be just as bad. Yeah, I think there's a, that's where the difficulty is with that, is that the feedback is not immediate. When you eat a peanut, the feedback is immediate yeah. if you're allergic to peanuts, and it's terrible. And so it's so... The way that your brain works, it will associate those two things with each other right away. Whereas you can go for years eating terrible food, right, and, and not see the downside really for like a, at least a twenty four hours, right? And your brain just doesn't make those connections like, in the right. same way. You, you, like, you have know. to do it. For, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you have you have to use system two here. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. To analyze a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same and the same thing with relationships. I think right. You can retroactively say, oh, I should have said that. I should have done this. Right. Um, and, and your long-term goal, but in the moment, it seems like a good idea to defend yourself and say something, right? <laughs> so right. Even if your long-term goal is like, generally, I'm going to be, you know, more conducive to suggestion. I'm going to try and listen first before I talk, and all of those kinds of things. But like in the moment, you can be like, no, 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 this is different. This one mm-hmm. argument, I'm right, and this is why I have to. You, know? right. you can justify it to yourself in all kinds of different ways, and then only the next day will you be like, yeah, I should have done that, and then it doesn't uh, stick in the same way that it should. Right. right. But see, like, and so in Sistema, yeah. So we, we most of the time we don't do a drill once. Sure. Right. Yeah. We'll do it twenty times, fifty times. We'll do it, you know, thirty minutes yeah. of the same thing. Okay, switch partners, do it again. Hmm. And so what, I think the meta message of that is, of course, you're not going to get it right every time. Yeah. You may not get it right any time. Sure. But you're using each of those. You're doing a little like post mortem. Sure. Okay, what happened? Mm. And now for the next time, mm. what what new thought am I going to put in my head? What you know? So Gary Klein, the behavioral psychologist, calls it a pre mortem. Okay. Like okay, let me imagine this situation a different way. Okay. Or you know, and we're talking when we're talking about something more concrete and less less dynamic. Let's say you're going to a holiday party and you have intentions about what you want to eat. Yeah. You can create um, what. Um, Bob Cialdini calls when-then plans. Mm. When I see the buffet table, then I will go over to the drinks counter and get, mm. um, you know, uh, soda. Scotch. So, oh, no. <laughs> so, soda with a twist of lime. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, that, so and you're, you're sort of rehearsing it in your head sure. in advance. So you're, you're thinking about all of these individual nodes yeah. um, as, you know, they're not, you're not, you're not being mugged anymore by the world. Okay. Like yeah. when I started doing 
Sistema, mm. I sort of saw like interactions, physical interactions with people is like the world's a scary place. Sure. Like, and, and even in the, be- in the beginning when I was working with people, I remember the first time I worked with, uh, with Rich. Mm. Big Rich, yeah. <laughs> Hugely strong oh, yeah. individual, very, yeah. very sensitive worker, but, yeah. but he took me to the edge of pain. Yeah. Every, and I was like, this sucks. Right. Sistema sucks. Yeah. <laughs> why, why wasn't Glenn stopping him from doing this today? <laughs> and then after a few months, it yeah. became more like, um, like it's a cage match. Like I yeah. jumped, I jumped in here. Like I yeah. didn't, I didn't, like Rich didn't pull me through the door. Sure. Like I, I volunteered. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think you, we can see lots of, th- lots of challenging invitations in our environment, invitations yeah. to snap at a spouse, to yell at a kid, to eat, yeah. to eat crap as it's like our Sistema partner. Yeah, saying okay, I'm gonna to try to put you down again, like mm. I did the last twenty times. Maybe try something different this time. Sure. Yeah, and and I think there's a, there's some specific kind of little if then pre-mortem devices that are built into Systema as well, and the most obvious of which being breathing. Right. So if halfway through your push up you feel like giving up and everything is nagging to you and you just want to collapse and all that kind of stuff, if that happens, I'm gonna double down on trying to keep my structure out and I'm just gonna use breathing as the focus. Right. And then. Once it seems like I can't do that anymore, I'm going to breathe faster and shorter, right? <laughs> and just keep doing that until it's just nothing left anymore, right? And then you find out where your edge is. But if if you don't set yourself up for that pre-mortem and you're just like, I'll do the push-up and I'll do it for as long as I can. I know, I'll try, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get into the whole Star Wars Yoda, like, there is no do or do not, there is no try, right? Yeah. That whole thing, right? If you just say, oh, I'll try and do a push-up, then halfway through when it gets uncomfortable, you're like, yeah, I guess I'm not doing it, right? And then you collapse. But you've given yourself no other option. Whereas if you say, I'm not going to fail, I'm just going to do these things, but you don't give yourself a how, then often you can try and do that. And then when the voice gets loud enough and the pain, discomfort gets enough, you'll you'll also fail, right? But if you have one thing, which is like, when all else fails, just focus on the breathing, focus on the breathing, focus on the breathing. It's so powerful. It's an enormous thing. And that carries across, as Matt Hill has pointed out really um, time and time again, what a gift to be able to give to us to say, that when you're in a situation and you feel your mental state is not where it wants to be, when you feel like you're ready to snap at your kids or your spouse or or a work colleague or something like that, that you can inhale, exhale, and change yourself, like in one exhale. Mm. And what a gift that is to the world, like to, to use that as a tool to just be, and that's the most amazing thing that Systema gives us. Now, you could just say that to somebody and be like, when you get stressed out and you feel like everything's going wrong, you just breathe in, breathe out, and you'll be fine. And it's become almost a trope, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, just breathe. And it, it angers some people. It enrages them, right, when you tell them that. Right. Um, but it's not the what. It's not like you should breathe. It's, it's the pressure testing it in a wide range of circumstances and then coming to trust it and coming to realize that it actually works. And Systema doing that... Um, Doing that in one context in Sistema, be it a push-up or like um, or getting struck and then breathing again or something like that, or finding yourself uh, angry when you're wrestling with somebody and then breathing and finding that it goes away, um, helps you to trust it enough that you can use it as a as kind of like a catalyst for change in the moment when you're trying to facilitate change. Right? It gives you a little tool that you can use in those moments when you have to fight through. Right. And I think that's that's so key. That's, that's for me. That's the most powerful part of facilitating and structure too. Right, the whole idea that you feel yourself destructuring when you're under stress, like when things are going terrible. I was driving that 26 foot truck on like icy roads, moving house the other day, and I was just terrified. It's enormous, and it was poorly weighted and everything like that. And it was, and I just didn't want to 
plow it into the side of the road and have to get it towed out at enormous expense or like smash into somebody else's car or something like that, right? But I had to get it done. I only had the truck for like a day, right? And, and mm. the weather wasn't going to behave and it wasn't going away. And I had like a window when it was between the refreeze when it was not safe, but <laughs> less crappy than it was. The cars are still fishtailing around, that sort of stuff. But I could feel myself as I was driving, my shoulders were all the way up and I'm like hunched forwards. I'm like, this is not helping me drive. And I inhaled, exhaled, straightened myself up and relaxed my hands a little bit on the wheel. And I kept a, a decent grip on the wheel, but I kept myself pliable enough that I could feel a little bit more. And it, and it made me a bit more sensitive and I could control the truck a little bit better. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm no truck driver, but it really helped me not to do dumb things, not to overcompensate and yeah. make things worse. And that would have been the major problem, I think. So the restoring your breathing, restoring your structure, and just doing something to get yourself moving again, right? And in order to help you relax into the situation, like the, the pillars are built into everything, and that's what I think will help you facilitate change when it's when it's while it's happening, like in the moment. Mm. Yeah. So I think the last one to talk about is just briefly is um, what if the change seems to sneak up on you, right, and, and broadside you? It's kind of run away from your ability to perceive that it's happened, right? And this happens to everybody. There's a big shock. Right, and you might lose your job all of a sudden, or um, there might be some like massive upheaval. If you know, you might lose your immigrant status. They change the visas overnight, or something like that. One of my students right now is having to think about leaving the country to reapply for his visa because they just changed the rules overnight, and he's oh. been here for a couple of years and is building a whole life around it and everything, and it's really tough for him, right? Um, you know, uh, a partner might leave you. Something might happen. You might be struck down with illness. A parent might be, might be bereavement right. in the family. Whatever it's going to be, these things are bound to happen. And often they happen with a, with an urgency or suddenness that just outstrips our ability to keep pace to it, and we can become overwhelmed. Um, how does Systema, do you think, help us deal with the aftermath of change once we, once it's already run away from us? Have you found any experience, had any experiences of that hmm. for yourself? Hmm. hmm. Um, so kind of like the recovery yeah. from change type idea. So. Um. I think the physicality of Sistema is a big part. Yeah. Because most, most of the change we're talking about is still perceptual. Sure. Right? Like if we hear, you know, if the visa changes, like in that moment, nothing has changed. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's an idea. And yeah. It's a thought. And, it, and now it's like the future has changed. Sure. And of course, the future doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Or even like, you know, I've thought about times when I've heard terrible news, Mm. like I didn't see the person die. Like I just heard so-and-so died. Yeah. And so again, it's, um, it creates a change inside you and that's when it becomes real. Right. I guess. Yeah. And, Mm. but you know, but the, 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 the physicality of me is still there. Mm. And I think about, you know, I think about, um, like the work of, uh, of the trauma, the modern trauma people, Bessel Mm. van der Kolk and Peter Levine and, you know, like the body keeps the school. Yeah, yeah, like the 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 body is again resilient in the long run. Yeah, to just about everything. Yeah, um, and you know the so I think you know trusting the body. Like what mm. Sistema is teaching me is to trust my body mm. m- more than my my rational mind. Like oh, let me figure this out. Yeah. Right. So getting back to that first distinction between the creative and the, the, the accountant, yeah. whatever, you know, it's, it's not that the accountant, you know, you can be a creative accountant. You can still mm-hmm. have a sense of in, in, insight and, and self-trust and the body is, the, is, is our vehicle. Yeah. So that for, for me, that um, if I'm grieving, 
Hmm. And, I know, and I know that I've made friends with my body and I've hmm. stress tested my body on all these lower levels from getting hit by rich yeah. to driving in the, in the, in the ice. Hmm. To, and I've seen my body, um, when I allow it, when I get out of its way, which is yeah. to me like the, the ultimate Sistema hmm. hack to sure. get out of your body's way and let yeah. it do its thing. Hmm. Then I can start to I can trust my body to bring me back from from grief, from mm. trauma, from some from destruction, because mm. it sort of it sort of will know the way. So, because that sometimes flies in the face of some kind of popular conceptions of it, right? Which is that in the in the face of trauma, like on the aftermath of trauma or something happening, that the your body's autopilot systems, like the stress response system and all those kinds of things, can actually lead you down like a bad path, mm -hmm. right? They can make you do make bad decisions, like seek relief in bad ways or just hole up or freeze, or hide, withdraw, protect yourself. And that what you really need to do is think your way out of it and all that yeah. kind of stuff and, and override those systems and get back out in the world and you know start meeting people again or whatever it is that you need to do to get over that whole thing. But what you're kind of saying is, is that there's a natural kind of rebound from change, but then what you really need to do is get your body's true autopilot back into like back into yeah. Play, well, to, right? to me, the missing piece in that um, mm. formula is the fear of the of the sensations. Yeah, is what leads us to drink or smoke or right. You know, do pornography or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Do pornography? Is that how? Is that? The... Well, I mean, everyone's got their own way of dealing with things. Yeah. It's like get yourself a video camera, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's the right verb. Yeah. <laughs> Not shared too much. Uh, <laughs> but you know, so that yeah, the body can go into this protective mode. Yeah. And at a certain point, we have when we when we wake up to consciousness, we can say, "I'm going to continue running from this because it's so uncomfortable." Yeah. Or if you've poured an ice bucket over your head, yeah. and you've been pinned and, and had arm locks and yeah. uh, been choked, mm. and you say, okay, I can go into the, what the body needs to be experienced, and the body is going to sort of titrate it for me yeah. in a way that I can handle if yeah. I'm willing to take a step. Yeah. Yeah, so you have, to, you have to make a conscious decision to push the reset button. But then once you've done that, your body mm -hmm. comes back to this homeostasis right. and, and, it, and, it, and well, right? Adjust to the new normal. Uh, right, yeah, like, so when you talk about like, oh, I've got to get out and meet people again, you can do mm -hmm. that very uh, mechanistically. Yeah. Like, okay, the thing I have to do according to this book or according yeah. to this therapist is I have to go to parties so, and meet people. I'm in the eighth stage of grief. Now I have to do this. Yeah. So, right. yeah, yeah. As opposed to I'm feeling very tender. Yeah. Um, every, every person I look at reminds me of the person I lost. Mm. Can, to what extent can I safely feel that? Yeah. And to what extent do I need to continue to feel that? And mm. can I then go out yeah. into the world? Like there have been times in Sistema where I have withdrawn from the class. Sure. I said, yeah. I need to put my back against this wall yeah. and feel anger or yeah. terror yeah. Or, or grief. Mm. And then you know, working through it is a mm. hell of a lot safer for me and for whoever I'm going to work with mm. than saying, oh, I've got to stay strong here and I can't let this affect me. Mm. So, so the major thing that it does then is it provides a, a safe, if not uncomfortable place to, to run those things out, right? To bring yourself back from big change, right? And, and put yourself back into your body, back into where it wants to be so that you can experience the world in, in a way that's not tainted by your, your holding on to what's 
what went before, right? It, it, it's hard for your, maybe even your brain moves on a little bit from what happened um, and you're, you're trying to think in a different way, but your body is still holding on to the idea of it. And Systema gives you kind of a safe laboratory to explore and push the reset button and come back to where you were a little bit. So we'll work through those work through those emotions a little bit and give you a safe place to experience those emotions with with people you trust mm -hmm. to a high extent so that you feel like it's safe to do that again in other places kind of like that one. yeah and, ju and just that the body can you can withstand discomfort yeah mm -hmm. uh, that that has been like systema has been the the suck lab yeah like okay this sucks this sucks this sucks this sucks yeah <laughs> okay and you know what i'm okay Let's, let's not use that as the new studio title. <laughs> Welcome to Suck Lab. <laughs> Imagine we get a very mixed crowd coming to that one. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, man. That's uh, that's been an interesting discussion, and I feel I feel like my views have changed on it already as I've gone through. So. <laughs> cool. Fun. Thanks again. Thanks, mate. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Systema, please visit us online at www.ncsystema.com. Thank you.